Hi and welcome to this episode of the Evolving Media Podcast. Today we'll take a deep dive into the world of documentary films and what the rapid change in society as well as technology, distribution and audience behavior is bringing. Documentary films are excellent at telling engaging and important stories, deepening people's understanding of complex issues and at times bringing true change to important topics. However, this world is changing too and rapidly. With me today to discuss all of this is Louise Rosen. She's been in the business for over 25 years as a producer, a sales agent, a distribution and so on. She's been involved with projects winning everything from Oscars to Emmys to Sundance Awards and so on. And she's also actively involved in different film festivals and mentoring programs, such as uh, the Documentary Campus Master School, where I met her for the first time a couple of years back. Without further ado, let's uh, talk about docs and what's happening with that world. Welcome. Louise Rosen, I'm, I'm really happy to have you on this podcast series to talk about uh, the field that you're an expert in, that's documentary and the, the art of making documentary films. Welcome. Thanks so much, Simon. It's really nice to be with you. So the field of documentaries, uh, documentary films, I, I, I have the feeling that as we were discussing a little bit before we started this recording this conversation that it's uh, it's something that's been uh, it's it's a field and it's an area that has where a change has been approaching for quite some time but now with the pandemic upon us it's it's been thrown into the abyss of of uh, almost desperate change what's your perception of of the times we're living in right now in the documentary world well, certainly the the questions of sustainability in our field um, have been uh, very much on the mind of independent filmmakers for a number of years now. Uh, certainly, as we've seen uh, the platforms changing um, with broadcast being um, obviously receiving a lot of competition from streaming platforms. Um, the questions of how this ecosystem works and in whose benefit it works, uh, to whose benefit it works best, um, have really, I think, just tested the... Uh, tested the durability of um, uh, independent filmmakers to to survive, and um, there are some serious, you know, there are wealth gaps in the world. There's a big wealth gap in in the documentary field. If we're just talking about sustainability, uh, the idea that in this environment today, most filmmakers are required to develop projects under their own finance. They they get very little support from other places and the grants that are available and the uh, the companies that will help su to support development of projects uh, are rare and the level of development that typically has to happen before a project can get placed or, or receive its other funding is pretty advanced and typically involves shooting for uh, a sample doing very in-depth research you know, all of this is time and money that the filmmaker typically never fully recoups from uh, the funding that they ultimately do receive. So I, I feel that that is one piece of this, um, the value chain, so to speak, uh, that is really being tested and that is going to have to be changed in order for the sector to survive. Absolutely. So uh, 
at the same time, it feels like I mean it's a conundrum that 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 on the on on the one hand we need to be have our idea fully fledged out and uh, the sizzlers and the trailers and the teasers and everything produced at at this uh, well at the same time there's there's less and less funding to go around and at the same time it feels like there's never been more need for competent documentary filmmakers to tell stories about what's happening in the world and because there's so much content so much competition out there so much other stuff that that grabs people's attention that you really need to be able to produce top quality stuff that will get through the cut through all the all the i i want, don't want to say bullshit but cut through all the all the noise and and reach people to to talk about what's happening right now well, I'm, uh, I, I have so many strong feelings around what you've just brought up. I'm, first of all, we know that uh, fiction production has been largely shut down, and uh, the, the opportunity to uh, go back into production has been very, very limited. And uh, the guidelines for production safety in the fiction world um, are still evolving, and not every country has got um, a government that is willing to provide a backstop to the insurance that is required. In the U.S., we still don't have that. Um, so the fiction side is going to be uh, opened up again in a, in a much more tentative way, and that is going to change the format and the style that we will see on screen. Um, all of this, of course, pending the development of a successful vaccine. On the nonfiction side, it is equally challenging and in some respects much more so because you're talking about working in uh, environments that are not tightly controllable or contained. Um, you're also talking about a level of uh, liability for the subjects of your film. And what are the ethical issues around restarting production and bringing the um, the protagonist in your film into a situation that is highly uncontrollable and unpredictable? So um, the ethics of production are a piece of it. The logistics of production are a piece of it. You're right. There's more demand for documentary because obviously um, it's not being constrained from a regulatory standpoint, uh, the way that fiction is, we don't have the unions that are operating to keep um, production on, on hiatus until safety guidelines are worked out. What we've got are a lot of independent filmmakers, many of whom are struggling in the, um, in the current environment because they're maybe not getting the support as self-employed persons or their, uh, their cash flow in terms of uh, other types of unemployment benefits. Um, this may be less of an issue within Scandinavia than, than other parts of the world, but I would say that it's widespread. So, yes, the demand for, for quality production on the documentary side um, on some levels has never been greater, but the circumstances under which it can happen um, safely and ethically uh, are diminished. And to me, this is a point in time where the independent community really has an opportunity to come together and advocate for change, um, advocate for uh, changes in 
the entire value chain as I was describing earlier, but um, also to be looking at situations at the end of the uh, production line, where perhaps even in the case of a full commission, they are receiving some kind of ultimate revenue share uh, in the way that um, residuals go to makers of fiction. Should there be residuals that go to makers of nonfiction? I would argue yes. And uh, let's not allow this moment in time to slip away. Let's really look at what can we do to at least create a set of threshold guidelines for how this production sector goes forward uh, that is perhaps more equitable. Are you seeing um, signs that this that this might be happening? I'm, I try to see the silver lining in almost everything I encounter. Sometimes I'm 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 struggling to find that silver line silver lining. But if this is a change that could happen because of the situation we're in right now, it feels like it could be a major step forward to have more equality when it comes to who has the power in the relationships between creators, uh, commissioners, uh, etc. But do you, do you see signs that this is happening? Absolutely so. Um, there are a number of uh, documentary organizations, uh, the Documentary Producers Alliance in the U.S., which is a relatively new organization that doesn't even have a particularly formalized structure yet, but the, uh, the number of members it has has gone from two to 300 in a matter of a few weeks. And this is an organization that you may be aware of for, for their having uh, devised crediting guidelines that were released about a year ago mm. that, that were responding to the influx of equity partnership coming into uh, the documentary field. You know, we now have people who see themselves as investors in documentaries, particularly documentary features. And how do you establish uh, some some guidelines for crediting when you've got a mix of grant-making organizations, platforms, networks, plus investors. So the crediting guidelines uh, came together and were endorsed by uh, a lot of organizations and companies, as well as individual um, high-profile producers. And those have now become a kind of adopted format they're now working on what are being called the waterfall guidelines. In other words, how does the revenue share flow from different scenarios involving different um, forms of financing? And I think that the DPA will potentially uh, help set some of the guidelines for the new framework that, that you and I agree there is definitely an opportunity to create in this um, in, in in the silver lining. Other organizations elsewhere in the world, I'm, I'm fairly sure, based on the, the rumblings that I'm hearing, are seeking to do similar things. I, I'm certainly aware of it in the UK. Um, I, I would imagine that the same thing is going on in Germany, hopefully in France, hopefully in Scandinavia. This is a moment in time. You're right. Let's, you know, let's do all we can to really um, kind of, you know, create a different playing field or level level the playing field, whatever analogy you'd like to use. Yeah, a little bit like growing up or entering the next phase, a more a little bit of a more mature phase regarding exactly. relationships. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, 
Talking about other silver linings, if we're not talking about policies, but more from a creative side, I've also seen some filmmakers that have tried to not only adapt to the, the pandemic situation, but also try to find like, new ways to perhaps engage with audiences, but also produce documentaries. Uh, I, I saw this uh, just yesterday, uh, and this was only released on YouTube. I have no idea about funding models or anything. But it's, it's half an hour documentary called I Solved the Disappearance of My Dad's Best Friend. Uh, and and that's, that's purely made in during lockdown with uh, basically the, the web camera on the laptop and calls, phone calls, Skype calls, uh, etc., where, where, where two brothers try to find uh, their father's best friend and tracks him around the world. So, so have you seen anything? And it, it's, a, it's a good story. And, and it, the rela- relationship they have with their father over Skype then or over Zoom or whatever platform they're using is quite touching as well. So have you seen any, any ingenious adaptations of, of new, new ways to create stuff? Well, um, certainly for, for one thing, the, uh, the potential for using and adapting archive um, is just fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, there is a little bit of this idea that archive means something black and white and um, historic and so on and so on. But obviously, yeah. that's not the case. I mean, there's a huge amount of uh, very contemporary footage that is available under the, the rubric of, of that, that term, archive, and a lot that can be done with it. Um, there's also, uh, I'm, I'm aware of a number of projects that are training their protagonists to self-shoot. And I'm not just talking about the video diary idea. Certainly within a certain generation, um, uh, using your phone to record your, your experiences has, you know, it's practically, I mean, people who are digital natives, they've been doing this since they first got a phone in the first instance. So it's something that they are relatively comfortable with. Obviously, not everyone has um, the understanding of techniques that will lead to the top quality. But I think people are quite trainable in this regard. Again, a certain generation, maybe more so than another. And the equipment itself is um, can be very accommodating. So it's not as if you're, you know, it's almost the difference between, um, you know, shooting photography with uh, a traditional uh, camera, an analog camera versus digital. I mean, the, the, the pre-settings that are available now that will help you um, achieve a better result are mm-hmm. pretty wonderful. So I am aware of teams that are uh, shipping out sterilized equipment and uh, guiding uh, their protagonists in setting up the equipment. They might even be sending out lighting kits to go with it, and um, they are adapting accordingly. Now, it obviously does not take the place of, um, you know, having a full-fledged, uh, experienced crew involved in shooting, but it is something that, in terms of how it reflects the times in an authentic way, I mean, that that's definitely a possibility. I also wanted to mention, um, I saw something uh, on one of the American networks the other day, which was called something like the Gra- a Grammy Tribute to Heroes. 
So the Grammys, as in the Grammy Awards, were doing a tribute show hosted by Harry Connick Jr. And lo and behold, there he was in a RV driving around the country with his daughter in the RV with him. And she was a shooter. Mm-hmm. Using, using a steady cam rig, and they would meet up with another crew at the location that they were filming um, the heroes that they had identified. And he would, he and the heroes would do their interviews in masks, and you got a chance to see him maskless inside the RV with his daughter. Um, I have to say, the the funkiness of it, it was very much kind of... Uh, documentary in 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 nature, you know, the DNA of the idea felt very immediate, or maybe a combination of sort of reportage and, and documentary. I actually really liked it. I felt like there was an honesty to it that was um, quite refreshing. You know, instead mm-hmm. of pretending that we're not in the midst of this, we'll just embrace it and show it in in all its many aspects. And it included some fabulous performance material that was being done, you know, sort of the multi-screen Zoom approach. Um, all of these things that if you had brought this up to anybody a year ago, they would have laughed <laughs> you out of their office. And now, of yes. course, we're we're accepting it because this is our this is our life now. So, anyway, I I think uh, you're asking as much about a kind of creative adaptation or um, uh, perhaps something that is maybe a bit more uh, going towards uh, stylistic uh, adaptations. Um, I, I guess the only other thing that I would add that kind of is a, a, um, a branching off from the archive point, uh, I, I feel as if filmmakers are seeing the artistic world of the podcast and visualizing the podcast. Let's face it, there are some podcasts with very, very advanced sound design. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and beautiful layering. And if you start to think really creatively about how you're going to bring visualization to that level of sophisticated podcast, I think it opens up a whole other world creatively. So yes, there are definitely, you know, necessity is a mother. <laughs> so in this case, the mother of a lot of invention, which I think is very cool. What you said about authenticity and, you know, it, it feeling real the, the the show that you described i think that's one of one of the points that i'm i i feel is becoming in perhaps the most important point when it comes to just standing out in the crowd the feeling that uh first of all you are a real person you who's who doing the film but also that that it's that that you're not trying to hoax anyone you're not trying to 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 um uh paper over uh, anything in your production not per se but that you're authentic you are you, it, it has a more organic feel to it perhaps mm. and and furthermore one of the things i'm harping on about most is is the need to have the uh, engagement with the audience not just that you open up a facebook page and and perhaps answer people's questions but a real like engagement with what their concerns are regarding the topic you're talking about, what questions they might have, what input they might have, like have a conversation going way before you even have material that you even want to show them, or perhaps just a sizzler or whatever, but opening up way earlier than 
uh, creators would open up their projects to people. Do, do, you, do you have any feelings around this? Well, you, you, you're, you're bringing up this idea that documentary, um, having come from a kind of tradition that suggested uh, the maker the documentarian was meant to be invisible, that, that what you were capturing was verite, was life as it unfolded. Yeah. And that formalism, which we all knew was on, on some level a kind of falsehood, because the presence of another person, whether they're holding a camera or not, is going to change the dynamic. And there was that time not so long ago when the idea of breaking the fourth wall, let alone being a character in your own film, was thought to be absolutely abhorrent. And um, we've now shifted to a place where, as you're saying, uh, this engagement with the audience I, you know, you could look to the fiction world and, and point to something like Fleabag, which breaks the fourth wall constantly. <laughs> constantly that is the, yeah. you know, that's the underlying device, if you will. Um, we're starting to see filmmakers being uh, characters in their films in, in to varying degrees. And I think there is a greater honesty in that, or there can be. Um, but what it does do is it challenges uh, it challenges a filmmaker who has been accustomed to being a you know kind of the silent partner in the event to having enga- having to engage in a certain way and put themselves and their reactions and their perspective uh, to document it and capture it in a way that really requires a very deep level of internal work, you know, not to veer too far into the psychology of it, but if you're going to do it and you're going to do it in a, um, uh, in a genuine way, you really do have to dig deep and finding that narrative voice for yourself, um, is it, it can be a terribly uncomfortable process, but one that I think can yield some fantastic results. But it, it requires a, a, a different kind of commitment on the part of the filmmaker. And when it's, when it's in, how to say, when, when that challenge is taken seriously, it can have absolutely fantastic results because suddenly the audience has someone who is maybe raising questions about what they're seeing in a way that the audience itself would do if they were in that moment, if they were present on that scene. And I think that that offers a, a, a doorway to experience that wouldn't be there otherwise. Yeah. I mean, in, in a sense, you, you start playing on the same team instead of just uh, pu- putting on a show for an audience. Instead, you're, you're on the same team playing the same game on the <laughs> with more or less the same rules uh, and the same goals. So it, it, it can, in my, for me, it can have quite a powerful impact. I really hope that we, we might see a change because it's, it's, it wasn't sustainable in the way it was. Uh, Absolutely not. The way not. it was heading. So. Absolutely not. No, I'm going to throw something out that that um, has really been so much on my mind. I'm sure, as as with you, I have found myself pulled into these bigger discussions among different organizations. Um, yeah. The National Endowment for the Arts and the Sundance Institute have organized a series of nationwide convenings, and then those 
nationwide events have broken into regional events and um, it's people who are not just making media, but also people who are running community um, art centers and, mm. you know, so it's kind of the, all the layers of our world. There are some funders, there are some networks and so on. Anyway, I'm, I'm seeing that. Um, and, and the realization that, you know, everybody is now being much more honest Mm-hmm. about yeah. uh, about where things are as a as a very much needed um, shift in in how people have communicated with one another I mean yeah. that is amazing and uh, the again it's it's a moment to be honest and it's a moment to be direct now you add on what has happened in the last few weeks around the murder of George Floyd mm-hmm. and the Black Lives Matter movement. And I'm going to say this. If the Black Lives Matter movement is going to drive a, a, a an initiative towards equity in our field, which we would not have been able to achieve without. So in other words, we're going to wind up, I believe, on the coattails of the Black Lives Matter movement, there will be greater equity achieved for the documentary field as a whole. Mm -hmm. And we better remain cognizant of that because we have, you know, we have not exactly been surprised because you would have thought documentary, oh, you know, you're talking about a group of people for whom diversity and inclusion is of paramount importance. Mm-hmm. We've sucked at it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you you go to any one of the events that you and I attend, oh, whether God. you're talking oh, about God. campus or film festivals or whatever, where are the people of color? Very, yeah. very few. Yeah. And yet especially, you know, never mind North America, but you get to Europe and places where there is in many cases a colonial history. Um, There is in many cases a a story around immigration of the last couple of decades. Um, And where are those people Mm -hmm. um, in in the media-making world? Very, very few of them. So, um, this idea that the that the equity conversation is going to be driven by people of color, and that it's going to benefit everyone, is something that you know we're, we we need to recognize that there is going to be a kind of debt, mm. um, and and uh, there's going to be a you know we need to make good on that, and yeah. and we we need to actually. Um, sort of carry that forward or carry, be, be engaged in carrying that out. And it's so weird to think back to talking with Claudia Schreiner um, mm-hmm. at, at uh, Doc Leipzig last year and saying, you know, Doc Campus should have an initiative that is really oriented towards this. I mean, you know, show that this matters, you know, be, be leaders in this respect. Um, there are organizations to call upon that, that um, there would be a lot of support and a lot of collaborative energy around it. So anyway, here's hoping that we can move the, you know, m- move things in that direction as well. Um, yeah. So it's, gosh, it's, 
really, really interesting times that we're in right now. That's for sure. Absolutely, and I, I'm I'm just uh, whatever the, the new normal becomes. I'm I, I'm I'm hoping it will be the change will be at least for the most part in a positive direction. It might be. You never know. <laughs> I, I'm I'm remaining optimistic. Simon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Luis, I'm I'm gonna one final question uh, before we have to end this uh, episode. But if you're willing, I'd be delighted to have you on again later on to talk about more, more, more about the documentary world. But one final question: What are you looking forward to the most right now uh, in in this day and age that we're living in, when there is so much not to look forward to? What are you looking forward to? I think it goes back to what we were talking about um, at the beginning of our conversation, which is uh, an opportunity to kind of remake the the um, uh, the ecosystem that we're in uh, to to really create partnerships um, that are more lateral rather than sort of top down. Um, maybe. Uh, thinking of it as a more horizontal set of interactions um, so that the work of the maker is valued um, uh, and compensated fairly and reasonably. I, 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 I would say that one downside is going to be that there will be a contraction in, uh, in our world. There simply won't be as much room for uh, individual makers But, you know, the idea of prompting more collaborative um, relationships, uh, whether that is a production company in one place collaborating with one in another or, um, you know, makers whose, whose craft and skills are in different areas becoming more collaborative, whatever that is, I think a more collaborative environment and um, a greater opportunity to um, to sort of share in the prospects, to share in the potential that this field has, which I've gotten so tired over the last several years of hearing golden age of documentaries, because <laughs> in my opinion, it was the golden age for the viewer, mm. but it was not the golden age for the maker. And I think yeah. that, you know, we may be on the verge of that changing. Um, and with that, I think comes new creative opportunities and, opportunities to bend the form and to do more with it so that these hard lines between you know documentary or fiction and nonfiction, um, the truth and, and the authenticity is important but there are a variety of ways to get to that and I think that that's got some exciting um, prospect for all of us in the future as well. I really hope that's the way we're we're heading and and uh, yeah let's let's revisit this in a year's time and see where okay. we where we ended up. Louise, thank you so much for participating in this episode of the podcast. Great to talk with you, Simon. Look forward to speaking again. Take care. Bye. Bye.